something that the cop wants you to know The best in the world is made by me for me, no Welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast. Um, we're coming to you after Liverpool came from behind against Newcastle to win 3-1 and go five points clear at the top of the league. Tonight, to discuss it with me, I've got Dave Carnot in Brazil after shoveling oil off the beach. Dave, how are you doing? I'm, well, I'm a, I'm a bit oily. <laughs> I'm grand, dude. Well, we knew that anyway. Um, Greasy, I would say. I'm, I'm staying oily. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what can one say? Other than that, Grant. Good man. And also, I, you probably heard him there out, of, out in Berlin. I've got Neil Patterson, Chief. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Hopefully, a, a little less oily, but um, all good. All good. Yeah. Looking forward to chatting. Nonetheless, slippery. That's it. Slippery, <laughs> indeed. You handle with care, like. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so good to be back chatting about the Reds and look forward to the Champions League as well this week. So, yeah, can't wait. Great stuff. So look, we'll just we'll just get straight into it then. Um, it's a it's the first time I think we've we've been behind this season. It's a come from behind victory. Um, and the first twenty minutes we seemed a little not blunt, but just not not quite ourselves. But then you know the goal looked like it was coming. The goal did came, and and then we looked like the other one was going to come eventually. There was. There was there was really a bit of a don't give a fuck attitude after the first goal went in because we all kind of thought that we were just going to go and win the game, but then Chief Bobby Firmino come on and wow, what an introduction, eh? What an introduction! Like ten seconds on the pitch or something, first pass puts Manny through. Yeah, I mean it was a it was, a, it, was it had all the potential in year if this had been a, a fixture in well was a fixture in seasons gone by, but this particular incarnation that there were plenty of things that that you know if you were looking for excuses or if you're looking for a reason why things didn't quite pan out you, you could have had them i mean uh you know you've got the early kickoff for a start which is which is often a you know a pet hate of a lot of football fans particularly liverpool fans you've got steve bruce coming to anfield with his famous uh reputation for for upsetting liverpool and 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 so on you got it being after the international break, where uh, obviously a lot of our key players and, and certainly a lot of our squad, anyway, did plenty of travelling and, and played um, played enough minutes uh, for their various countries. And you've got the fact that we went to goal behind after seven minutes or something. Um, so really, you know, you had, you had all the ingredients there for for a bit of a nightmare potentially for Liverpool there at the weekend. But um, and and for the first kind of. 20 minutes it, it looked a little bit like well it looked like in years gone by it would have been one of those days now as you mentioned there things things are different whereas uh, in times past the crowd really would have been starting to get antsy particularly after Jetro Williams he sounds like something out of a 1970s rock band but anyway it's a great he, name isn't it it really is it really is so when he steps inside and lashes that into, into the top corner yeah, if there's been a couple of seasons ago, two, three seasons ago, crowd would have been would have been pretty anxious. How are we getting this back? Is it going to be one of those days? Better not go 2-0 down. All those kinds of things. We started without Bobby. Uh, we rested him after his uh, exertions uh, in Los Angeles. You know, that, that coupled with going to go behind 
combined to, to make us look a little bit, and all the other factors, you know, the, the, the tiredness, the, the international game and so on, combined to make us look a little bit disjointed for the for the first 20. Um, but we do get begin to get a grip of the game and then we go ahead and, and, and get the equaliser. Um, you know, and I, I think it's important to say that that, that happens before the substitution, uh, before Firmino comes on and, and quite visibly and obviously changes the game. Uh, I think Devok Devok does all right to be to be fair to him, but he seems to. I think he gets injured in that first foray forward he has, where he tries to run down the line, and if you that happens in the first couple of minutes, first five minutes or something. So busy playing with an injury there for twenty five minutes, uh, 25, 30 minutes, he does what could be expected, but it's not the same fluidity, and we, we, we all know about that when you take one of the front three and particularly Bobby out of the front three, that fluidity just isn't quite there. Robbo, Robbo does brilliantly for uh, for Manny for the first goal, and Manny's finish is absolutely sublime. I think everybody knows, not just Liverpool fans. I think everybody knows the second that Manny uh, has the ball where it is, where where it's going to end up. There's never a doubt. Um, so then Divock goes off, and uh, Bobby comes on, and the game is is instantly changed. You, you can see it. There's a, a little extra. I wouldn't say spring in the step or, or people stand taller or some of the things I've heard today. And I, I know what people mean when they say that, but I think there's just, everything's a bit quicker because the, the, the understanding with Bobby is just better. The telepathy is there. They know what's going to happen before it happens. And and that makes everything quicker. And, and the game speeds up. We begin to move the ball faster. Five minutes later, uh, Bobby set up, or two minutes later, Bobby set up a goal. Yeah, we're 2-1 up. And, and from then on, it never looks in doubt. Second half, we often puff a bit. We create some good chances. Robbo goes close. Trent goes close. Of course, Bobby's touch and um, him and, and Mo's interplay for the for the third goal is sublime. The finish is sublime. The way Mo carries the ball is 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 wonderful. Putting players on their on their faces, essentially. Yeah, aside from one, yeah, one I suppose decent chance. Although he never really gets it under control. Uh, came at 2-1 when, when Matip kind of gets sucked over and, and the ball comes across and one of their players who, I, I don't even know who it was to be honest, I didn't really recognise him, uh, just blasts over. That's their only real effort, I think, apart from the goal. Uh, I don't think they had too many shots on target. don't think there were too many big no, I think they had. I think it was just the one shot on target. Yeah, which which was the goal. So, so really we have them at arm's length from the second that, that ball hits the back of the net from Williams. And that's fabulous because it is, it is a big sea change, uh, and it hasn't happened overnight. But it's quite a stark difference when you when you compare the the Anfield crowd on Saturday in comparison to what it might have been with the same game three seasons ago. There's just a complete trust in the team right now. The team doesn't look like they ever think they're going to lose. You know, accomplished you can see, is the word you're looking for, Dave. We are yeah. so accomplished. Yeah, they're so assured in themselves. You know, they just trust themselves. They trust each other. The, the the crowd trusts them, and and they demand off each other, and and it shows, Dave. You know, and it's just a, com- a complete self confidence running through the entire squad. Absolutely, but the point you started on, Dave, I think is is worthy of just reiteration, and and it is Bobby Firmino. Obviously, I, I saw the international games: one in Miami, one in Calif- one California. You know, there's what four or five hours in a plane extra there, both ways. Uh, another time zone. I understand why Klopp put him on the bench, but I don't think Bobby Firmino for one second wanted to be in the bench. And after you know labouring around it, anybody who watched our game at Fenway Park 
pre-season will know what I'm talking about, shitty pitches in America. And that's what they were playing on. And he toiled and he troubled. And, you know, he gives his best. He gives us all for Brazil, but he's just not Bobby Firmino. You know what I mean? He's not the Bobby Firmino that we know. And the interview he then gave to ESPN Brazil after after the game on Saturday was, you know, I, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy with my friends. and my You know, it's a family here in the atmosphere. And he he was waxing lyrical about the club. And, and he doesn't give very many interviews, even in Portuguese. He doesn't give very many interviews. And, and it was just interesting, you know, having watched the, the couple of weeks beforehand. And, and I'll say, you know, like, don't get me wrong, he's he's effective for Brazil, but he's not Bobby Firmino. He's not what, what we wax lyrical about. And I think it's almost a relief to him. And whenever he gets on that pitch, he's just an animal. He can't wait to, to get playing with Manny and, and, and Salah and link up with the rest of them because that's where he is just, you know, completely and utter, utterly outstanding. And and finally, you know, like many, many a podcast that we did, and I'm, I'm going back maybe two or three years where, you know, Firmino was quiet, but, but the stuff he was doing, you know, the, the, the leg work he was doing, the dirty work he was doing, we, we still appreciated him, but, but he has... I, I don't know. I, I said to Dave Prepod, I honestly think you know we have a we have a wonderful front three with Van Dijk. We have we have Allison. We have a, an array of wonderful players. But just at this moment in time, if, if we were to lose one, the last one, the last person we want to lose from this team is Bobby Firmino. His vision, his brain is just magnificent. I I can't remember enjoying a player. I, I enjoy I enjoy him more than 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 I did Suarez. Maybe he's on a level of tar. I just enjoy watching Bobby. If if you're not watching Bobby, you're missing the whole the whole thing. And it took me a while to actually get it. But I mean, that kid is just something special. And you know, they're saying he's the best in the world. And in, in our system, in our team, certainly, I can't think of a player in the world who who I would swap him for. Uh, and that, and that's quite a testament. Uh, I wouldn't swap him for Messi. I don't think Messi could do what what, what he did. Uh, and that may sound ridiculous, but. You know where I'm coming from, but as you say, he came on the pitch. Everything just changes. We just become the complete another oiled machine. I, I, I want to put it back to you, actually, Dave, on this one. You know, everybody's talking about this great strike, and you can he, he hit the ball well. Because hardly a wonder goal, really, really, really was it? You know, um, there's, there's a part of me that actually asked, and this is why I want to throw it back to you. There's a part of me that actually asked myself. Does Allison save that? And I promised I wouldn't do do this to myself while Allison was injured, and asked myself, you know, would Allison save that? But that was one that was made out to be this fucking wonder goal because it was against us. But I just, I don't know your opinions on it. I don't think it was a wonder goal. It's a well taken goal, well fucking hit. But that's where it ends for me. Yeah, he hits it well and it stays hit. You know, there's and it does kind of veer away from. From Adrian after after it leaves his foot, so I wouldn't want to give the keeper too much stick. Allison would he save it? Quite possibly saves most things. Let's be honest. Um, Dave, as well, like that's no slight in Adrian because I, I think he's done for, and he, you know he's improving, he's growing into to, you know game by game. You can actually see him, you know, the the communication's better, the the body language is better with the players around him. He has developed. Um, and he was thrown into the deep end, but he's done pretty well. Like that's he's not Allison. He's done very well. Let's not put him down. You know, not at all. And I think the fact that we have talked about him very, very little is is as big a compliment as as you can give him. You know, um, it's just a general. The keeper was fine, and he was fine. And you don't think he's going to throw one in? You know, Southampton aside, but. 
we haven't seen him do anything like that since. And the fact that he has the arrogance, if you want to use that word, just to go, well, it happens, let's get to the next one. And he's done that. Whereas previous goalkeepers, we've we've seen their their heads fall off and they just don't mentally recover. Maybe, from maybe they didn't like have the, the array of talent in front of them, Dave. To be fair, to, to, to you know, like uh, to, you know, you're being maybe a bit harsh. Whenever you consider some of the teams that we had, Gerard carried for many years. Uh, you know, there was a stage under Rafa where we were very good, but we we're also shit in phases as well. But you can't really. It's an unfair comparison, I think. Uh, well, I do, I do think you're right. It is a bit of an un- unfair comparison. Um, I was, I was more leaning towards uh, Mignolet and and Carius there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, but you, you are right in what you're saying. He's, he's come into, arguably and in my opinion, the best team in Europe, the best team in the world right now. But the fact remains that that's daunting. He's coming into the European champions. He is coming into his side and replacing the best goalkeeper in the world. And that in itself comes with pressure, lots of pressure. And he has handled that excellently, tremendously from what I've seen. And the the, the Rick at Southampton could have had a lasting effect on him, but it doesn't seem to have. Um, and I think we all, at the start of the season, if we were honest, it was a big, big concern for us, Alison being out. And we were thinking to ourselves... Can we just get through these games without Allison? And we thought it would be one. We thought it I would think be maybe two. Dave, we, thought... we we underestimated the strength of unity in that group and and how he was made to feel welcome and maybe how he was made to feel a part of it and, and to, to allow him to 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 settle in the way he has. That's right, but I also think that's d- down to how he himself is fitted in. And again, this probably comes back to the thing we talk about all the time with transfers, which is the the profiling of personalities, etc., and things like that. And you know he's training with a with the third division Spanish team or something when he gets the phone call, and then he's thrust into this scenario. So, you know that takes mental resilience, and you need that to play at the top, at the very very top, and that's where he's playing. And and so far so good. Jump in on that as well, and just kind of kind of second that. I mean, you know he makes that mistake at Southampton. That's pretty early in 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 the run of uh, appearances and in, in his in his time at, at Liverpool and. Um, he just, it's as if it never happened. Um, he just gets on with it. And Alisson did uh, Allison did the same thing against Leicester. But yeah, he was able to, to put it behind him. Adrian did the same as Southampton. He was able to put it behind him. Now, obviously, they're not on the same level. Obviously, Alisson is, is up there with one of the best in the world. But I think a lot does come down to mentality, what Dave was saying. Just, just the, the ability to come into the top European side. Uh, the Champions League winners, and for for you not to shit the bed, you know, for you not for, for your for your confidence to be able to to carry you through, and and to even be able to deal with with a horror mistake like that. Quite and and also, now, there's there's the other side of you know, given how tight the league has been, and historically last season, you know, we lost one game, didn't win the league. You know, you're putting the guy in there and saying, look, you know, well, you know, here you are, you're 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 covering for the best goalkeeper in the world, or one of them. And bar that, we can't lose, by the way, because we only lost once last season and, and we didn't win. So we can't lose at all. <laughs> no pressure, lad. So he's, he's carrying that as well, which is huge. It's monumental. It's absolutely monumental. And, you know, he certainly doesn't want to be the guy that comes in and kind of makes a couple of errors and, and fucks everything up. You know, it takes a certain character to, to, to take on that responsibility in the first place. 
And to be able to come in and, and simply, as Dave said, Dave Dunn said, not to, to basically not put a foot wrong. All right, question mark. You, you question whether he, he, Allison may have saved that one at the weekend. I don't know. I think it's really well hit. I think it, it catches him a bit by surprise. Maybe Allison anticipates it a bit more, or whatever. But in the grand scheme of things, it's it's not, you you wouldn't expect a goalkeeper to save that. Maybe the one of the best in the world might get fingertips and might push it round or something. But it's not something that's expected. So I mean, Allison's or Adrian's just been able to come in and and do what's expected. He's not set the world on fire, but he doesn't doesn't have to. And the fact that we're not talking about him at game after game, the fact that we're not going, oh, he was a, made a bit of a holler there, or he was lucky with that one, or whatever. I mean, that that's the best the best credit you can give him because it's unlikely you're going to be talking about your your sub goalkeeper who wasn't even at the club until a week before the season started as being an absolute worldly and 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 saving your points and and all the rest of it. But there is every chance you could be going, fuck me, what a drop off this is. And we haven't had that, which is which is brilliant. It's it's great for the for the lad. It's great for the for the other players because they've been able to adapt him and adopt him into the squad and and help him out when he's needed help and protect him. And it's all just worked. It's all about the environment. It's all about the scouting personalities, as Dave mentioned. It's it's the holistic approach. We haven't just gone out and randomly picked some guy who was on a free and gone, here, you'll do. I mean, there's been work that's gone into this and it seems that it's paying off. Yeah, well, well, that's it, isn't it? And and on that note, we'll, we'll not talk about him anymore. And exactly. let's hope, yeah, let's hope that we, let's hope that we can just keep it that way forever. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll finish on this one. You see, if, if he, you know, if we were to win the league this season, fingers crossed, let's hope, you know, he, he can, he can take a winner's medal knowing that he contributed you know what I mean? And that's that's a massive thing uh, as well. You know, and what's more, he has the Super Cup medal. He, he actually played the game. You, you know what I mean? So this is, there's no two ways about it. He, the kid must be in dreamland, like. Yeah, I do, and I think I think that does help. I think that that save in the penalty shootout certainly helps. And he feels like he's contributed and, and the players feel like he's contributed and he has a sense of value there. And I think that that's important for every for every footballer to feel that they're adding value and to feel that their their teammates appreciate that value and can recognise that value and that that value is very obvious. So, um, so talking about players of value, I just want to come back to Bobby Firmino. Um, there were some quotes came out. I don't know whether you, you you've seen them from Janino and Marcelino having having a conversation. And I'll just read through some of them here. Firmino will change the way young strikers think about football. Like how Rivaldo revolutionised the wing forward rule, which Neymar tries to emulate, even with the simulation, which I kind of liked. Firmino, however, is made of an iron shell, which I think's another little dig at Neymar. Dave, just just for some context on it, let's say he's not flavour of the month anymore. I first came to live here like he could walk on water. Now they want to push his head under the water. Yeah, um, Marcelino then goes on to say that Firmino is a dream come true. Not only does he have a manager whose philosophy he embodies, a team that loves him, but also I've never heard a Brazilian's name sang so often and have so much love outside of Brazil. Not Senna, not Jorge Ben, nobody. So it just goes to show that there is now even a recognition from the Brazilian media about, about Firmino. And Janine went on to say that you know, the future captaincy should be in Firmino. He'd have the armband at Liverpool if there weren't already so many, so many leaders in the team. It's all true. And I think 
with Firmino, Dave, he comes on and and there's been questions now kind of asked around, you know, what do we do if he's not there? And we really don't look as good if we's not if he's not there. And how much does that take away from the team? But at the same time, we start with Origi on the left and Mane through the middle. And what, 37 minutes, I think, Firmino's introduced. But the way our squad is, and this is, I think, a distinct advantage we have over City, when we make a change, it's never a like-for-like like player because we don't really have a like-for-like like player um, for, for most most players. So you're going from Mane through the middle to having to deal with Firmino, dropping into those little pockets and playing nearly an attacking midfielder role, but not really. And then you've all, and then all of a sudden they've got Mane out the left to deal with. Two things that they haven't had to contend with up until that point. And it was almost like Firmino had sat there for half an hour or so and just analysed the game and went, I know where I'm going to have a ball today. Given the fact and the way he plays, Dave, he he deeply analyses games. And I think it's something that probably just comes as as natural to him. You know, you talk a lot about, you know, him being Brazil captain and whatnot. And, you know, like I, I live in the country here and they fucking barely know who he is. And that's <laughs> and that is the, they haven't a fucking ball to who Fabinho is. Uh, you know, they'll pretend to know who he is, but they haven't a fucking clue. And, you know, Juninho, for all his, his, his nice words and everything, I feel, you know, he would have much of an, a bigger eye on, on English football, certainly the Premier League. He talks about a, a sympathetic manager who loves him. I don't see, if, if Cheech had his way, Firmino would be on the bench and Gabby Jesus would be leading the line. Believe me, his hand has been forced because, basically, of, of Bobby's exploits in, in the Champions League, which is a very popular competition down here. And his hand was forced in it. But all this, you know, his manager loves him, his international manager loves him. I, I, I'm sorry, I really, really can't buy into it. And as I say, I go back to what I said earlier about that interview that he gave. To me, there was it almost exuded a, a sense of relief to be back in Liverpool, be back uh, in, in, in the area that he loves, loves playing in. And again, you know, going back to your original question, sitting on the bench, I would dare say that he was champing at the bit to get off that bench. And and the opportunity came probably a lot sooner than, than he would have imagined it was coming. And for, for that reason, he just he just fucking up tools and he fucking went for it. Uh, do you know what? I could wax lyrical about him for the entire podcast, to be honest. I was just, I, I actually, I kind of lost it a but little Dave, bit. I was... Dave, like, honestly, as good as he is, it's it's the, the, the telepathy, if you will, between the front three. They all know where each other is. You know, at any given moment, any given moment, and they know where they they know their runs. They know each other's runs inside out. Firmino is just the orchestrator of all of that. But you know, he he is so good. He's a brilliant player, but he isn't a fucking totally brilliant player because of the other two and and that telepathy that they have. The comparison's sort of been made. I think somebody mentioned it on on another podcast or or maybe just a, a Reddit, but. No, it was somebody tweeted it. It was Ronnie Moran's son, I think, put a tweet out about uh, Bobby Firmino and, and Kenny Dalglish. And yeah, I mean, that, that's for me, that's the kind of of player that he's becoming because he's good. He's, he's because he can score goals. He's got the vision. He's got he's got everything about. It. He's got the work rate. Got the tenacity. Got the tactical awareness. Got absolutely everything. But above all else, he he just. He's got he's got the game in the palm of his hand. He his timing, his the the way to pass, the decision making, the delight that he gets from setting other people up. 
I think is is as great for him as as uh, scoring goals. I mean, you see, for example, Mo Salah, wonderful player, but he's all about goals, 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 goals. Yeah, he likes being involved in, in moves, and if he sets somebody up, that's great. But it's not the same for him. But Bobby's delight when he puts Mo through for that goal is you can see it in the celebration. I mean, the whole thing. That is the kind of player that we have there, and you know, he's just the kind of player that's. You know, it's taken a long time. We mentioned pre-pod. It's taken four seasons for pundits to begin to begin commenting on on his class. Yeah, they mentioned his, his work rate. They mentioned that he he runs the line. They mentioned that he, he brings so much in inverted commas to this team. But they've never done a feature on him. They've never really focused on him. They never talk about his skills, his tricks, his and 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 his actually a, his actual ability on the ball. And simply by just being himself. And, and playing the way he's always played, and obviously improving, but essentially playing the way he's always played, he's gonna he's gonna emerge as this as this kind of superstar that everyone's talking about. But, but nothing's really changed. If you see what I mean, he's always been doing it. It's just people are beginning to appreciate it's recognition. It. It's recognition yeah. now. Exactly, the recognition is coming. And, and what Dave says is is absolutely right as well. He's getting that more so because the players around him are also magnificent, and they're all telepathically playing together and, and, and it all works. But yeah, it's just, for me, it's just an example of, of a selfless player, of a player who, who who plays for the team, plays for himself, plays for fun, but but ultimately plays for the team and, and gets so much joy out of the success of that team. You know, whether he's, he's the one finishing them off or whether he's the one, um, you know, orchestrating things or even the pass before the pass. I think that's it's very rare in, in a player and I think that's, probably what makes him truly great and I think he is a great and he's going to go on to prove it more and more so for us now yeah and Dave even the even the link up those you know you'll know the the two the two I'm talking about the, the link ups with with both full backs and that scoop for Robbo the scoop for Robbo but again as you were saying Chief he he takes the ball and he turns and he holds it and he holds it and He's in a position and he's taken up a position on the pitch where he has the space to be able to hold it. And he makes the pass at exactly the right time, at exactly with exactly the right weight. And it's the same with the one for Trent on the other side, where he takes it and he turns and he waits and he waits and he passes it perfectly. And it's right into Trent's Trent's right onto Trent's run. And something we talked about, Dave, earlier on the season was where we were going to get potentially more goals from. And those runs towards the corner of the six-yard box from both those fullbacks, that, do you think that's an indication that we're working on getting the fullbacks more involved at the goal-scoring end of the pitch? Not the goal-scoring end of the pitch, but with that... I know where you're, I know where you're coming from. Do you know what I mean? With, with that intent and that direction, yep. I think, um, I think... an instruction to go and try and add more goals to the game... Oh, I think it's. I definitely think you're you're nail on the head with that, and I think it's it's more apparent. I think with Robbo than it is with Trent. Even from preseason, Robbo's been taking pot shots, John Arnaresa style sort of. I think that's that's what we're we're looking into, you know. And and also, we didn't maybe see it so much in previous seasons, but you get the likes of Manny slipping a ball to him in the box. You get Firmino slipping the ball, as you said, which maybe last season, season before, wasn't as common. Um, so I'm just wondering if this is is a tactic developed in the season something new something new for teams to, to overcome uh, is, is especially on the left is, is sliding Robbo in for, for a crack at goal 
and he has a shot on him. <laughs> um, like majority of the cases, he, he's off target that, that, that I've seen. But if he gets one of them on target, it'll be hard to stop. Um, you know, it, it was I think it was in the Champions League finally had a he had he had one, or it was one of the Champions League. He was, it was yeah, you're there. right. Was very lucky to be saved. Um, I think the goalkeeper basically saw, saved it with his balls. Basically, <laughs> best way of describing it. But it was the only way I was keeping it out. But I think there, I think that's been something that's been there's. I would say there's certainly been a discussion around that um, in around the dressing room because you know eventually teams are going to work you out, and, and we'll come to Man City eventually uh, in this pod and where, where that seems to be the case. And and Klopp is a progressive. I would say Klopp's mind never never stops thinking about ways to gain an advantage, um, new potential weapons, and like when you have the, the the basically all of Europe terrified by your fullbacks to begin with, adding goals to them seems like a very prudent idea. Yeah, I think so. And Chief, there's something else I noticed on on Saturday. Well, I think I noticed because I've only seen the game once, but I saw very few crosses. You know, t- atypical crosses into the box from the fullbacks. You know, the 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 Beckham-like ones, the swingers to the back post. We got the fullbacks actually quite narrow, and we're getting involved more so in the interplay around the penalty area. And I'm just thinking, is that something maybe specifically for Newcastle because we knew they were going to come and they knew we, they were going to play narrow, and we've seen us, you know, become a little bit frustrated at times with just. You know, putting crosses into the box and it getting headed away and it getting headed away. I and mean, when you've big lads like Lascelles and and Shaw in there, that it's likely that that they're going to have a bit of joy from that. So, what do you think? Is that something we've been working on specifically for Newcastle? Uh, yeah, potentially. I mean, maybe not specifically just for Newcastle, but we've but yeah, seen... for that type of narrow defence. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we've already seen Arsenal come to Anfield and play that way. And that's Arsenal, not not renowned for for packing the box and and making things difficult. So and and you're referencing there that you've we've seen us get a little frustrated before and, and having to play wide and put the ball in the box and and so on. And we got a little bit of that in, in the first uh, well in the opening minutes against against Arsenal. So I think it probably is something that to look at because we're going to face that several more times, shall we say, in the, in the Premier League this season both at home and away, I would say. So it makes sense to get the fullbacks more involved. It makes sense anyway, because the interplay is really what's going to um, unlock the door uh, against those types of defences. And it's quite interesting that actually it's uh, it's that which brings about the first goal, in a way, in that uh, whoever the defender is, I'm not sure, who steps out to try and nick the ball off or get the ball before Robbo, he, he breaks his shape there. And uh, and that's what allows gives Manny the, the wee bit of space and, and Manny buries it. And that's their game plan out the window from there. So, so yeah, I think it is something we're, we're definitely working on. We're looking at as many ways to, to break down packed defences as possible because, as I said, that's what we're, we're likely to, to face more often than not. And it just it's just more proof of the constant kind of evolution and development of, of the side. Uh, it's healthy. It's healthy. It shows that the work's being done off the pitch. It shows that uh, players are, are taking things on board as well and, and translating them onto the pitch. Worked out really well for us. Um, what the fullbacks did last season was magnificent with the 12 and 11 assists, I think it was. But um, as Dave mentioned there, Dave Caron, there is a there is a, that old phrase in, in football about getting worked out. 
And at some point, if if all you if all you've got is is, is getting the ball to the full backs and, and getting them to to whip in a good ball in the danger area, teams are going to work that out. So you, you've got to have other strengths to your bow. And and this is you know these are two other kind of points you're mentioning uh, with the interplay and and the quick kind of one twos and also uh, potentially seeing them more involved in, in the actual box and and making the final shot perhaps. So yeah, all all good, and I would say yeah, this is something we've, we've looked at and, and we're developing all the time. Yeah, at times we really looked like a front five um, with those two guys, and, and you know I think that continues to answer the question. If people didn't already know the answer, that that's why Dini Wijnaldum doesn't get as many goals for Liverpool as he does for Holland. Yeah, he doesn't and need if, to. No, and if I'm, yeah, I know. I'm just getting just really fed up of it. I'm getting really really fed up. Um, although, what about Wijnaldum's folly? Ah, oh, that would have been glorious. That oh would my god, <laughs> like. Oh, I thought it was in for just a split second, but the first touch, and he just hits it so quick, and it's up and it's down, and the keeper just the watches it. it. The two touches so quickly that that brings Bergkamp to mind for me, and literally so unlucky because it's it's just about where he is, isn't it? If he's a foot further back, that's in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. An inch, maybe even, you know, it's, it's, maybe, it's yeah. it just drops just behind the crossbar. But they have um, all the frustrations we may have with them at times. I have no frustrations there's, with them. It's no, just no, a daft thing but, that but people you, keep but, saying. Yeah, but it, there's a frustration out there in the fan base. And I, I've, I've experienced that sentiment myself. But you cannot take away from the footballer. Like, I mean, Wijnaldum is a fucking magnificent footballer. Um, so it certainly he's come to us. I don't know. I, I didn't see very much of him at Newcastle. But, you know, I have a big Dutch mate here, um, lives here most of the year, and he, for the national team, you know, no idea how the, the, the esteem. You know, you talk, I'm st- t- talking about Bobby Firmino, and nobody knows who he is. You want to hear what the Dutch think about Wijnaldum. Like, he, he's, he's fucking God, basically. There's a reason that he plays 38 games, which is more than any of our other midfielders last year. There's a reason that he's the one who isn't rested after coming back from playing two sets of 90 minutes during the international break. You know, there is a reason for that. And it's because of how he contributes. His technical understanding, his ability to go out and carry out his instructions to an absolute T. And that he is now... He must have it, very, very good recovery powers as well, Dave. He must recover after games very, very quickly to, to make the intensity that we play and that game rate. Yeah, and he is a very combative player. You know, for all of his skill and his technical ability, he's very, very physical in the middle of the park. You know, I don't know. What do you think, Chief? I think one album's an, an absolute rock. I mean, we know the, the, the talk about him and within the fan base over the last, well, over his entire Liverpool career, really, up until probably about the last six months has always been a little bit, oh, what is he actually doing? Some games he's great and, and some games he's not there. And, you, you know, we know it. But as you say, there is a reason, and I think he is. I think I might be wrong, but I think I'm right in saying that he's played most minutes under Klopp since uh, since Klopp's arrival at that kind, or since his arrival uh, after Klopp. Uh, I know that he was the he was the most he played the most minutes in, in the first season he was here anyway, and then as you say, he, he starts more games last season than any of the other midfielders, and he, it's often been the case where when we've been us and, and people on other podcasts when we've been talking about maybe rotations in the team and you know often one of us might say or one of them might say well you know maybe when Al will miss out this time and he bring back Milner he bring in 
Kaidar, whatever it might be. And we're always wrong. Genie always starts. And you can just see now how much he's coming into himself. And he's very much at his peak now, I would say. I mean, he was obviously a very good player, don't get me wrong. He he did very well. I think it was a, I think it was PSV that he did really well at before he came to, to Newcastle. Uh he was a league winner there and he was their captain, I'm sure, as well. Uh he's always yeah, and he's always been thereabouts in, in the Dutch national team. However, the Dutch national team I followed their ups and downs a little bit over the years and, and for a period there they were they were terrible. I mean, for them. They were shocking. They were not qualifying for things. They were they were losing qualifiers. Uh, they were going out in the groups in the qualifiers. Just sorry, sorry to interrupt. You know, you didn't see there was a, there was an article actually on that last week in one of the newspapers where Ryan Babel came out and basically blamed Schneider, Robin, you know, four of the big senior players that were holding the whole thing back. He blames them for um, not reaching the World Cup. He blames the attitude of those senior players that are now gone, which has caused a sea change in in uh, Dutch football. And you know, given the results, it's, it holds a bit of weight, you know. Absolutely. I mean, listen, I don't know the the the, the, the deep ins and outs of, of what went wrong there, but uh, it wouldn't be the first time that an aging group of, of a golden generation, in inverted commas, began to age and get complacent and hold back um, the, 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 the destiny or the, or the future of, of the national team. That, that's happened in, in many countries. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me that being the case with 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 the Dutch national team, but you know he's he's endured hard times with them, um, and he's come come to Liverpool and he's he's just been there and he's been almost an ever present uh, as we've gotten better and better and better and he's he's improved as well of course he was up but you know we we really now see what he brings we can see from the stats we can see from his performances. There are now moments in games, regularly enough, where you, you literally applaud Genie for something that he's just done, like properly applaud him. You know, there's there's the one against Arsenal where he ends up taunting Pepe. There's another one the other day. Barcelona, Barcelona is just... There was Barcelona, and which one was it? Yeah, the Nicolas Pepe thing where he just went, come on, you think you're that good? Come on. But the Barcelona, the two players... And that just shows his confidence. It Not just brilliant. shows the level he's playing at. And then he's going out for the Dutch national team and scoring... You know, decisive goals away in Germany. He, you know, he's 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 part of a national team now that is that's playing with pride again. That's that's top of their group that looks nailed on to qualify for the Euros, and everything is is good for him at the moment. And yeah, long may it continue because he absolutely deserves it. He's a complete professional. I don't have a bad word to say about him, like. Um, and just long no, I don't think anybody has a bad word to say about him. I think he's just that type of guy, and I think as well. Um, Dave, I think I think our mid, our midfield maybe suffer from the comparison to Manchester City and what their midfielders do. And there's constant comparisons between Liverpool and City. And for for some reason, some people are expecting, you know, Wijnaldum and and Henderson and and Fabinho and Milner and these sorts of players that they should be De Bruyne or Bernardo Silva or. Gundogan or guys like this that are going to really contribute at the top end of the pitch but you know that's not their role in this team and a, a midfielder in a club team is does a very very different job to that of a, a midfielder in, in Pep sides. Dave I think that the confusion comes from you know the 4-3-3 formation um, just because that's a formation and we both play it 
we play it in a very, very different way, uh, with very different styles, with very different uh, techniques of players applied. Uh, you're talking about two managers at the level of Klopp and Guardiola. They know the personnel at their disposal. They know the, the set of skills that those those particular individuals bring. And it's about bringing that to, to into the team dynamic and, and exploiting it. Um, which, to be honest with you, both Guardiola and Klopp, again, are, are masters of doing it. It's, it's making the, the best of, of what you've got available. I think the best maybe example of that is if you go back to Klopp's you know, first couple of seasons with us, where it wasn't his team and it wasn't the way he wanted it. But he, he made the best of it. He, he, he valued what he had and, and used it to the best of his ability as, as the season went on. And, you know, that, that's basically where I would stand. I, I think it's just, I think there's too few people actually understand the concept of, you, you know, just because somebody's playing 4-3-3, it doesn't automatically mean it's a uniform, rigid way of playing just the same way as 4-4-2 wasn't. If you take an old Serie A 4-4-2 against a, a, a Premier League 4-4-2, completely different animals. Um, you know, you've got to break down and be able to understand the difference between, you know, just because three numbers are in a line, it can have completely different contextual meanings. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, that what we have here is a is a team that, let's be honest, there's so many different strings to their bow. And they've got players there that can come in and have very, very different specific qualities. And we saw City at the weekend, Chief. And the company's gone and, and Laporte's obviously missing. And they bring in two players which are which are fairly similar in Ottomandy and Stones, but just really aren't of the same standard at all. Um, they've nothing different to offer. Um, they're just just not that good. And if you're talking about, you know, swapping Sane for Sterling or Mares for for Bernardo Silva or, you know, David Silva for De Bruyne, they're all quite like for like. Um, in their styles and, and they all have to fit into the Pep's formation and do that specific role. Whereas what we have is we've got Joe Gomez for, for Trent and we've got Milner for Robertson and we've got Shakiri and we've got Oxley Chamberlain who are very, very different to, to Henderson or Milner or Wijnaldum. Um, and it's the same with Origi if you need to throw him up there for something different. And we're finding, I think, ways of now being able to adapt our particular style of play for whatever the situation is, both by using those players and by understanding, everybody understanding where each other's strengths are. I mean, without without wanting to sound arrogant about Liverpool earning, but it seems at the moment that Liverpool have more uh, more ways to win a game, perhaps, than, than City. I mean, obviously City have been fabulous over the last two seasons there's there's no getting away from that um but but it is a little bit different for them this season because they have lost their club captain they have lost they've lost company and that's we, we talked about that on a previous pod i think previewing the season or or maybe after the first game or something and you know it's a massive difference it's a massive difference at the back but it's also a massive difference on the pitch in terms of having your captain there in terms of in the dressing room we talked about what what kind of a character he is you know, it, it, it's a little different for them now. Um, they, listen, they're fabulous. We know that. I've said it. They'll, they'll play against, you know, 99% of the teams in this league and, and they're capable of blowing all of them away on their day. They're, there's absolutely no doubt about that. And usually they usually they do. Usually their, their plan A absolutely works and they're out of sight by halftime. Most well, a lot of the time, and and the game's never in doubt. Most of the time, let's be honest. But 
you know, when when things aren't going perfectly with Plan A, I think there are fewer fewer different ways in which they can they can win games. So yeah, they can change the personnel. They can bring on a, a Sane for a Sterling, as you mentioned, or or play them both, or bring on Mares, or decide or for Aguero. Exactly. But it's more of the same, slightly different, but more of the same. As you said, they're playing in the same in the rules that are defined. Of course, they've got a little bit of creative freedom, but you know, it's 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 more of the same with with different personnel. Whereas, as you mentioned earlier, we rarely have a like for like substitution. It's something that's that's really good at times. It's something that annoys us at times. You know, everyone would like us to be able to clone Bobby Firmino, for example. Because that, of that is the that is the other side of the coin, though, isn't it? Yeah, and you can't have it all. Exactly, you can't have it all. But the the one bonus that this this does give you is that when you are making substitution, things change a bit. You know, you 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 try something different. Divock Origi is a completely different kettle of fish to to Bobby Firmino or even to Sadio Mane. You know, when you bring on Oxley Chamberlain, for example, or you play him from the start, then maybe you are looking for something more from your midfield, as we were just chatting about, because certainly we're not particularly relying on on. On Hendo and, and Gini Wijnaldum to score goals, but we know Oxley Chamberlain likes to run with the ball, likes to hit it from twenty yards, and that's how he, he managed to endear himself so quickly to to the Liverpool crowd because a, a lot of us were a bit iffy about him coming. Let's let's be fair. Um, so again, that changed the, the dynamic. Um, the one that sticks out for me last season, Chief, as well is Shakiri coming on against United. Yeah, absolutely. He's come on there, and you're talking about uh, players analysing games when they're on the pitch. Uh, when, they're, when they're on the bench, sorry, uh, in in, uh, in situations, Shakiri's come on there in the in the United game and been watching the game. He's had chats with Klopp and he's 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 uh, basically isolated exactly the areas in which he's going to be effective and and, and going to be able to affect the game. And lo and behold, he scores two in twenty minutes or or something like that, and we go on to win the game. So again, it's it's a different problem. It's a problem United didn't have to cope with up until that point, and then. They suddenly did, and they couldn't. And you know, it's it's like I said, it's not always it's not always perfect, but it does give you that little bit extra. And, and again, going back to the midfield and stuff, yep, De Bruyne and uh, and Silva and Bernardo Silva and, and the others they chip in a lot of goals, a lot of assists. But how many how many goals and assists are they getting from Zinchenko and, and Kyle Walker last season? Not that many, so they're they're getting their assists from different places. As has been mentioned, the jobs jobs are different. So comparing them, you know, as as is almost inevitable in, in a situation such such as this, is exactly what you say. It's a little bit lazy. It's a little bit shallow. There needs to be there needs to be a more holistic approach taken uh, and taken into consideration the jobs are being asked to do and so on. But but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It, it it's a little bit different for us. We almost. Yeah, obviously it's a bit by design, a little bit by accident, a little bit by circumstance, but just by the nature of the fact that we're not so rigid and we don't have two players for every position in inverted commas means that when we make changes, things do change. Neil, I'm going to throw my two cents in on this one because, you know, while I agree with 100% of what you're saying, absolutely. And, and you know, if you take City and you take us in, in most aspects, 99% across the board, there's a wafer between us. You know, you're talking probably two of the best managers um, in the game at the moment. You know, you're talking about two of the finest scores. I would have said that the... until three weeks ago, but go ahead. No, let, let me finish, Dave. You might, you might you might, come around to my way of thinking. The difference at this moment in time, as I see it, and it's my opinion, you can agree or disagree with it, 
the edge and the difference that we have over City at this moment in time is confidence. And you're going, how can City not be confident? The reason is they did a treble last season. They got zero love for it. You know, there was them and a clatter of trophies. There was nearly as many fucking people as there was trophies. And that's, that. you know, we had bus parades with millions of fucking people celebrating, people celebrating all around the world. We're the darlings of the media. Um, like, you know, the, the, the British media do love Manchester United and Liverpool. There's no two ways about it. Historically, traditionally, they always have. They, and I guess they always will. City are trying to get, crash a party that's basically an exclusive party that they can't really get into and they can't get a footing in. And regardless of how good those players are, Neil has, has outlined how good that City team are, they're unloved and they're unappreciated. Um, certainly, um, you know, they, they admire the style of football, but everybody has has more more column inches for Liverpool than they do uh, City. And that's, I'm sorry if you're a professional player, that's got to fucking irk you somewhere down the line. It's got to get right under your skin somewhere down the line. And it could end up having an effect on you somewhere down the line. And whenever you lose a couple of key players, we saw at the weekend the effect that it has. Then you have another aspect, which I, I've, it's like the slow burning meltdown of of uh, Pep Guardiola. And it reminds me a wee bit of Rafa whenever um, Ferguson got into his head. You, you know what I mean? And I, I see this stuff. Honestly, I, I love Pep and I love his style of football. I love the philosophy. But I see cracks developing there. And I could be completely wrong, but I, I think I'm right. And, and they've been developing from basically that Amazon series whenever he really realised that Liverpool were a problem to him. And that problem has grown and grown and grown and has grown into something that I believe today he can't handle. I I, I feel that centre half's a huge a huge issue for them. And I think that that's gonna that's gonna spread anxiety through the whole team. But I might be clutching at straws here, but I saw a lack of leadership in that city team on Saturday. Well, nobody took hold of it with any um I mean, you didn't even need. You didn't. Even, it's not like you needed one player to rabble rouse and and whatever. But you know, you can you, obviously we compare them with us. When uh, we conceded against Newcastle, I think I alluded to to it earlier. The collective was just for them to look at each other and go, right, come on. And there was never a thought that uh, we'd concede a second or or things. You know, that w- there was never a thought that we weren't scoring the next goal. And I think you're right, you know, it, it, confidence, leadership. I think Liverpool is, is a team that uh, at the moment is, is, is stocked full of, of both. And, yep, City, again, it comes comes back to a little bit of company going, comes back to the fact that Laporte got injured a couple of weeks ago and now he's going to be out till February. So, you know, you mentioned centre-halves a problem. Of course it is. I mean, that's basically taking out Van Dijk and... and um, Matip and, and imagine we didn't have Joe Gomez. So it's basically going back to Lovren and Skirtle or something in there. I mean, Stones and Otamendi are, are better than that. They take they take our two worst centre halves right now and play both of them. Yeah, absolutely. We've got our first choice centre half partnership, and they've got their you know their second choice, their third and fourth centre backs are are starting for them, and and they're going to be starting for them for the next six months, uh, unless Fernandinho gets dropped in there or something. Um, it'd be interesting to see how how he manages if he does. But also, at this rate, you could nearly see Kyle Walker playing right back or centre back. Sorry, if yeah, Cancelo well could, gets in, could happen as well. And and that's an, an issue for them. We mentioned last season their defence was an issue. They won something ridiculous 
after company come back, they, they, they put together that, that winning streak. But it was after company came back, really. He played for, I think, 13 of the 16 wins or whatever it was like. I mean, you can check that, but it's uh, he played in, in 80 to 90% of... Yeah, you're right, you're right. ...the wins at the back end of last season. So you've taken him out. And not only that, you've then taken his replacement out for the next six months or the next four months or whatever. So, you know, that that's a big issue. But also centre-half is is the natural, I would say anyway, in my opinion, the natural kind of source of leadership on the pitch as well. How soon before so, he throws Fernandinho in for you, Neil? It's not going to be next that week. long if it continues like that. I mean, I heard a stat today, I think it was on the Sport and Life podcast, and I'm not sure if I'm going to get this right. But it was it, it's a stat about their set-piece concession. It's either when Stones and Otamendi are playing at centre-half together or it's just it's just City's defence in general. I wasn't 100% sure. I, I, read, it. I read it. It was City's defence in general, it, Neil. It wasn't. Well, isn't it something like 26 goals conceded from 19 set-pieces or something? That's, that's yeah, correct. Yeah, it's that's 43% of their goals conceded come from set-pieces, I think I saw. But they but, are a small side. But it's not just the percentage of goals because they can be conceded fuck all goals and, that, and that's fair, yeah. But twenty six goals from that they're conceding they're conceding goals at over that's almost at over one uh, per per set piece. It's nuts. I mean, it's the thing is they don't concede that many set pieces because they've the ball fucking eighty percent of the time. So the, yes. it kind of has gone unnoticed. But this is something that Carragher pointed out. I think. I think it was Carter. I think it was on Monday Night Football at the beginning of the season. And he pointed out that City are shit at the near post on corners and that there's always a gap and that it can always be exploited. And Lucas Moore has done it since. And your man who scored Norwich's first goal did it at the weekend. And it's becoming a big thing. Like, they're, they're con- you know how these things can become a thing and manifest themselves? We've seen it with Liverpool. Absolutely, and now you've got a centre-back partnership there that that hasn't played together very often, that doesn't really have the full confidence of the manager, probably doesn't have the full confidence of the rest of the team. You've got a goalkeeper at the back there who Dave says is looking shaky at international level. And to be fair, he's been questionable a little bit this, this season already uh, for City, certainly against Spurs. They, they're not as impregnable. And Laporte going won't have helped his mentality very much either, Neil. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're, you're spot on. You, you know you know how it is, as, as Dave Dunham says there. When things begin to, to go iffy in, in that triangle, keeper and your centre halves, you've got big problems. And we, we had them for years. We know about it. And, uh, yeah, they're just not as solid as they were. I mean, Ederson, Company and Laporte versus Stones and uh, Otamendi and Ederson, a bit of a difference. There's no, there's no two ways about it. They'll go out and they'll spend in January without doubt for, for, for centre-back because Laporte, we've seen it with um, with the Ox, you know, the, the coming back from that type of injury. You know, you're probably talking Laporte. You're not going to see the best of him again until next season. So they're, they're going to be in the market in January. But it could be well, I think the thing is, Dave, I think they need another, even regardless of Laporte's injury, I think they need another one anyway. Oh, no, I agree with that. But what I'm saying, by January, it could be too late. You know, you don't win anything in September, but you can sure as fuck lose it. That That's fair. And and if he's going to drop Fernandinho in there, Fernandinho's five foot nine or something. Yeah, so, there's a bed, there's a bedding in process there for Fernandinho as well. well I, don't get me wrong. I'm sure he process, can Dave, If we're talking about the set piece issue, you know, I'm sorry, but height's important at set pieces. 
you know, if you're playing Burnley and they're chucking fucking Ben Me and Tarkowski and Wood and Ashley Barnes and all these fucking monsters up at you, look at the size of our team. We are huge all over the pitch. And Especially in defence. We're, we're, we're a big defensive team. We're, we're, we're big all over. Well, yeah. And probably, we're, we're aside from the th- front three, and Firmino isn't small, aside from the front three, they're, they're all huge. You know? Fernandinho, Henderson... They're, they're they're big big guys. Fabinho, and we don't have Fernandinho. Yeah, Fabinho. <laughs> oh, Fabi- did I did I say Fernandinho? Yes, we'll, we'll forgive you that one. <laughs> oh, sorry, Fabinho, Henderson. They're all big guys. Um, Fernandinho's five foot nine. So if you throw him in at centre half, what are you talking? That City are going to be defending set pieces with maybe two players over six foot in their team. There's a reason he went out and bought Rodri because Rodri's fucking massive. But as you say, he doesn't have the physical aspects that Fernandinho brings. He'll not. He doesn't have the cynical foul in him. It seems, uh, well, and I mean, that could be costly. It was well, costly. At the weekend. I, yeah, Chief and I talked about it. it's going. It's going to take him a while to get the grips with, with a, a kind of drastic stylistic change going from, from Simeone's team to the Pep sides. But like, like I say, there you'll have. If you drop Fernandinho in beside Stones, for example, you'll Stones and Rodri over six foot. And I don't think anybody else in that team's over six foot. So that's going to exacerbate those set piece, those set piece issues. One lives in hope. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you look at them and, you know, we've got five points on them already. There's cracks uh, there as well. Beyond the five points, Neil, you know, I just see cra- I see it starting to crack. Well, I do. I mean, you, you, I do as well. I mean, because... Well, like, honestly, they, where, where, where else is there for the goal? If it wasn't sort of beginning to crack a little bit, I mean, at the beginning of last season, let's remember this: at the beginning of last season, they were perfect. Mm-hmm. I think both both teams go something. I mean, Liverpool go what is it, seven wins in a row or something, and we're still behind, you know. And 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 we we go on and and City are ahead. And the big thing is, if you remember the commentary on on last season at the time, the big thing was. We just wanted to be still there. And we kept going. If we're still there after 10 games, they're going to start looking over, over their shoulder and going, fuck's sake. And we that were. That kind of changed about November time now because we, the belief sort of crept in. The, yeah, because... The, the, it wasn't a flash in the pan. It wasn't, look, it wasn't luck that we really no, were no. that good. We were that good. We were still there. And they began the crack. But it took how many games? 12 games for that to happen last season. And they had won the previous 11. This season, it's taken five and they've already lost one and drawn at home against the Spurs team they really should have battered essentially we're averaging a point a game better than them if you want to put that I know it's not going to happen that you're going to you're going to map that out over the whole season but that's massive they're only operating at two points a season where they've been operating at let's let's face it almost three for the last two years and the other thing is Guardiola is notorious for a fast start and basically putting a, a league title race to bed by February, March, at the latest. Wrapping it up by then, yeah. Actually, yeah. by then, yeah. And all of a sudden, I would. do you know what? I would actually be interested to know when the last time Guardiola was five points off the lead at any stage of a season. He's never, I don't think he's ever won. I think the last season was the first time he's won one from behind, Dave. That was, that was a blot in his copybook. From what I remember of last season, uh, that was the first time he had ever won a league from a, from a position of chasing. Well, that, I think from Christmas or something. I think it was, it was that. Listen, they could 
go on, win the next X amount of games, and you're looking back at this one in nine games time, thinking, yeah, well, they've had a wee blip. Probably on. will, Neil. Yeah, but the probably going to have the, another one. But you can't rub it right. out. It's still three points down. <laughs> probably will, but there is this there is this potential that they're just not going to be perfect. That they're just going to perform at a fairly at a very good level, but a human level, you know, a level before they started to hit 100 points this season. And for them to do that, as, as Dave alluded to there, it, it, the drop-off is massive. They could still be hitting 2.2 points a game, but they wouldn't They wouldn't finish with, with I mean, what would they finish with? With that, what, around 80, 84, maybe a bit more, 80, 87 perhaps, something like that, which is human. You know, and if that were to happen, that's a, that's an eleven point drop from last year. That's massive. And there's another aspect as well, Neil, for Guardiola's concerns. You know, he normally throws the gauntlet down. Very few pick it up, and very few pick it up with success. Liverpool have picked it up not just with success, but with a plum. You know, we're we have got like I think it's the first time in Guardiola's career. I think that you know, even even you take the Barcelona and Real Madrid rivalry, I don't think he was ever under the pressure he's under. You know, at least he had the brand name. <laughs> at, at Barcelona, which he doesn't have to fall back on at City. And I think he's struggling with it a little bit. And, and I keep going back to that, but I, it's, I truly believe it deep in my heart that he's struggling. Well, the thing is, with City, and of course with Liverpool, so, I mean, you know, you can you can take what I say for Liverpool as well, because everything we have at the moment is, is based on Klopp. But... You know, City City already won the league. They won the league with Mancini and they won the league with Pellegrini. And Guardiola's been brought in to, to build a dynasty, to build a team, to build a winning machine. A team that just wins the league every year and also at least gets to the final of the Champions League. But essentially wins the Champions League. And, and that's what he's there for. He's not just there to win the league. Other managers have already done that. That's and a minimum expectation for him, let's be real. Exactly. That's if he's not winning the league with that that team, he you know he's not doing his job. He's, he's not fulfilling the terms of his contract essentially. But he's been brought in to build this dynasty, so already that heaps massive pressure on you. You add in what you're, you're saying, Dave, about the fact that he's fighting a losing battle, trying to make City recognised as a big club. Because even with all the success, nobody really still nobody regards. No, everyone it. talks about Guardiola. Nobody talks about City. Exactly. And they never will, I don't think. It's just one of those things in, in English football. They never will. It's even like Chelsea now have dropped out of, out of the conversation again. And, and the two constants are Liverpool and Man United. And they always will be, I think, um, as, as you mentioned earlier. So he's got that. And then you've got factored in also with what you said earlier with the fact that the players that are playing are producing unbelievable feats, almost superhuman. And nobody really gives a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're not really getting the love. The victory parades were, were you know, it, it brought it home to you. And I, I shouldn't laugh, oh, and I don't want to laugh at it. But you but see, the well, there's the, the, I think there's the under there's a, there's the underlying issue. I think at the back of everybody's mind when they talk about Manchester City, and I think this is a big thing to do with how they're viewed, is to how and why they are where they are. And I think we get a lot of goodwill not for what we're doing, but for how we got here, which is almost, you know, we're almost the antidote to how to get, we're almost the antidote to City's success, if you, if you see what I'm saying. 
It's yeah, doing we, things the right way, doing things the wrong way, <laughs> doing things legally, doing things Ill, allegedly illegally. Yeah, I mean, there is that. I mean, and there's also the, yeah, it's all tied in. They're a Johnny Come Lately club, aren't they? They've been around for ages and ages and they've been a big club, but they're only, as you say, punching where they are now because of their own bad fucking state <laughs> and, and not a particularly, um, yeah, good a one. A correct state. A nice place. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, there that that is kind of the the sort of dark financial side, or or what what else can we can we term it as about football? And you know, there'll be people who who think that Liverpool being run by an American sports concern and so on isn't 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 how things should be done either. So you know, everyone's everyone's got their points of view, but I get what you're saying. Um, there's a bit of a bit of goodwill out there because. You know, we haven't just gone out and and you know skewed the scales and tried to just buy our way to the top and and funnel money around clubs and and all the rest of it. But at the same time, there's still a lot of animosity out there towards us. Fucking loads of fans here. us. what about of last course, season? Of course, and, and long may it continue. Yeah, it, I don't want to be fucking. It, loved that's part of that. the success, Neil. That's what you absorb and 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 you breathe that in. Because that is just, to me, that's just nectar of the gods, that, that, that kind of hate. It's for the same reason that a lot of people hate Man United, you know? And, that's, and that is what it is, and that comes from having success over such a long period of time. So we've decided we're going to win the league. That's fair. I'm on board. Napoli no, on Tuesday double, night. Dave, you, 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 we're we're, we're going to talk Champions League now. We're winning that yeah. as well. Yeah, Champions League now. Napoli on Tuesday night. So let's, let's, talk, about, let's talk about that, Dave. Last year we went, and is it at is it at Sao Paulo? Is it? Yeah, it's at the Sao Paulo. Yeah. Ha, ha, have they let it go? I think so. As far as I as of yesterday, it wasn't. Oh really? I mean, I've, apparently yeah. the UEFA website was still saying that that it is like. So. Oh well, then well then it must be. My my apologies. Just there was there was a thing I read about it. I think last night, but it was a day old sort of thing. So maybe they've they've come to some arrangement. But really? either way, I don't yeah. see as a huge difference. It's somewhere where, let's be fair, we could probably mark it down as our one-off, if not our, our worst performance of last season, was away in Napoli. And we don't um, do things a second time, Dave, as you'll tell us. Sorry? We don't do bad performances a second time round. Well, yeah, sorry, yes, that's absolutely right. We don't. Um, so, Dave, what do you see? I think, I think we'll see a number of changes. So what do you think, first and foremost, Will will be different from from Saturday there. From Saturday, um, okay. So I suppose Henderson comes in, without a doubt. He'll he'll go with Henderson, our captain for Europe. Um, he does. He's quite effective in there. And I think basically from you know from last season, I think the first objective. And I think it'll be a very very much the same type of game as last season that we don't lose. I think that's basically where we were with that game last season was we were quite happy with a 0-0 and we got robbed at the end of it. I still think Fabinho's in there. You might see a Milner because he has been used sparingly and Genie has done a lot of, of game time, even even during the international breaks. So you, it could be a game you see Milner coming into uh, fresh. Uh, I wouldn't have any complaints about that, but maybe, maybe there's a reason uh, this season we're not seeing so much of Milner as a starter uh, so far. But maybe we see it here, or, or or Dave. Of course, we could see Lallana at six. Would be the perfect opportunity for him. Oh, you would love that, wouldn't you? 
I would turn off immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Chief, um, Davis mentioned Milner there. I feel he'll go Gomez right back. Could we see Milner left back? You know, with Chelsea coming up on Sunday, I know it's a bit of a gap, but it would be three games in nine days for some of these players and coming off an international break where some of them have played two. But it's MK Dons after that, isn't it, Dave? Sort of a week. Well, that that you know that could factor in as well. Yeah, I think if he's going to play Milner, he probably won't play. I don't know. Probably he probably won't start him at left back. But it's an interesting one. I think Milner will start because he's he's hardly played recently, and uh, I think Klopp likes to have him in uh, on European nights and gritty places as well. Neil, I think it's 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 where it is. It's it's perfect for Milner. Yeah, I, I think it it will work for him. I don't know. It's because you talk about rotation, and it's it's always the you know the the big question, isn't it? Like, uh, and we never rotate as much as we think we're going to, isn't that right? No, and we're definitely not rotating in the front three because Divock's injured, and uh, we're not going to be starting Brewster. Uh, I wouldn't have thought. And it's, does it? Does he? Does he change it up and go four two three one? Uh, perhaps, and therefore giving himself a chance to maybe play a Shakiri. I can't see. I, I I can't see us ever playing that again. You know, it's a bold statement. I don't think. Well, well, I I don't think we'll ever see. On, I actually don't think we'll ever see it again unless it's enforced. Or if not the four two three one, then then perhaps a diamond. You know, something akin to a bit more of his 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 uh, Dortmund stand, something that he's flirted with as well. I just don't know in a four-three-three where where you're gonna make the changes here because if you if you change both your fullbacks, you know if Insigne's playing and Napoli score a lot of goals, you know there's there's every chance you get exposed there. At the same time, if you start at both, where do you rest them? You've got MK Dons coming up. I think we should just play a not put the kids out per se, but play very much a, a League Cup team there, and I think that will be a chance for him to. to to perhaps rest the fullbacks, but he might do one against Napoli. I'd say if he was going to do one, it might make more sense just to 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 keep Trent in and play Milner on the left for Robbo. Um, but it's anyone's guess, really. I, I think with the four-three-three formation, I think in midfield. Uh, what are Napoli's fullbacks and on on wide players like? You know what what I think the best way of looking at it is you know Klopp only changes Trent whenever he feels that he he may be under severe pressure from. From you know, very good fullbacks or, or or very good wingers. what are we looking at there? Napoli have about a million forward players. They've they've Milik, they've Insigne, they have Callahan, they have Christ uh, Mertens. Um, there's a few. I think there's something like seven forwards they have. Yeah, they're definitely though. I think they're definitely without Milik at the moment. But uh, other than that. It could go anyway, and they're all handy. I mean, they're all good. They're all generally they've all got pace. Uh, even if you look at someone like Callahan, he's he's good. I like I mean, him. Yeah, he's been around for a long time. He scores a lot of goals in Europe, uh, and and does well for them. I mean, they're a good side. They're Ancelotti's still there, isn't he? Yeah. Um, there's potentially a chance in in Serie A this year. Juventus might just. Might just be slipping from from their absolute best. I mean, we'll see. So they're going to be there thereabouts. I think it's going to be a tough game. I don't think it's going to be as tough as last year. I don't think because Napoli were in a must-win situation there last year. They they had to really get the win because they'd gone the the drawn away and and they'd drawn at home PSG and stuff. So 
Um, yeah, we didn't play well there. Klopp doesn't like to play badly in the same place twice. You've mentioned that already, Dave. So I think he'd, be, he'd want to win. We also got battered off them in uh, pre-season. Not that it really matters, but... Yeah, we did, didn't we? Yeah, I think he'd also like to probably set the record straight on that one. It'd be good to go there and win. We battered them 5 0 the year before, by, to, to be fair. Did. like, and It didn't did. help us very much in the Champions League game. Exactly. So it would be nice if, if we could return the favour on that one. And yeah, I think uh, we, we go strong. I don't think we're making too many changes for this. I think we go strong. And then I think he looks to. Because to, we've got. We're playing Sunday. So we've got five and a half days, or five full days to recover. So I think he goes strong for this, strong for Chelsea, and then makes a lot of changes next two because we've got um, we've got MK Dons and then we've got Sheffield United, I think. So I think that's where the changes will come, and I think we go strong here. I think Henderson comes back in. But I think it's Henderson, Fabinho, probably Wijnaldum. Milner, maybe, maybe not. And then the front three is the front three. Yeah, um, so just while we're on it there, um, for anybody who's interested, with those four, they also have uh, Fabian Ruiz, and they've signed, which I completely forgot, and one which I completely missed. Uh, they signed Hervin Lozano, okay. and they also signed Llorente. Yeah, I know they've got Llorente. Yeah. Who knew? So they've had, they've actually had two four threes this season. They've won one and lost one, so um, they... At the minute, they look as though they're there to be got at. They won 2 0 at the weekend. So it'll be an interesting one. But before we go, can anybody can anybody smell a, um, a double? Because I can. Oh, absolutely. I've been on it for ages, Dave. I'm, 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 I've been on it from last season. <laughs> I, 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 well, we were so close last season. So close yeah. to the double. And, yeah. and I think that just, we, I don't know for you, Neil, but for me, just the difference in mentality. You know, we were brilliant last season, but there's just there's another there's another fucking level to us. You know, we 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 know, and there's the difference in going to Napoli this time. Last time we were we were searching for a destination, we fucking arrived. We're a, we're a different beast, and Napoli will know it. It's well put, Dave. So off to Naples Tuesday night. We'll see you after that. Up the five points for your Reds. There's something that the cop wants you to know.